How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abound. Therefore the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am rising up the Babylonians, the ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Lord, are you not from everlasting my God, my Holy One? You will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, you, Lord, have appointed them to ex you, my rock, sorry, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. Amen. The German uh, theologian and minister Helmut Tilleke wrote a letter to a soldier in the Second World War. And he said the following, It is never correct to say that we must become blind in order to believe. We must conclude Precisely the opposite, that faith is coupled with the clearest perception available to us as human beings.
faith is clear vision. And then he writes, faith equips our eyes and teaches them to recognize things about us and around us and above us that are concealed from their natural powers. Our, our eyes can see certain things, but faith makes it sees something more. We have the promise that as Christians, we shall become the most clear-sighted of humankind, permitted to know the mysteries of God. And then he says, only when you blindly trust God, you will be able to see better. What Helmut Tilleke wrote is an echo of what we find in the book of Habakkuk. The book starts with huge anxiety and doubt and protest because there was violence, perverted justice, oppression, strife, quarreling. All these things were widespread. And the prophet felt they were losing the battle against evil powers amongst which he lived. He asks, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Heaven was closed for business, he felt. God wasn't listening anymore. And then after this first cry, the Lord spoke in chapter 1, verse 8 to 11, with one basic message. You have seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. The Lord will send a sinful, godless, and ruthless people to punish you and the wicked. And Habakkuk is not happy with that answer. Isn't this the biggest challenge to our faith? When we pray and pray and pray, but things remain the same. Lord, my child is sick. My health is deteriorating. I need your help. Lord, I lost my job. My marriage is breaking up. My children are not serving you. Answer me now. Sometimes our lives are like phoning a helpline. Please be patient. Your call is important to us. You are in a queue. The waiting time is 30 minutes. Or I'll put you through to the supervisor and then you're put through and you wait and just music. But this book, in spite of how it starts, ends with one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, 
Though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. These are not words of a hero after some great victory. It is not the words of someone privileged or in a position of power and authority. This is a humble confession in spite of circumstances. Though all these things are wrong, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. This is what it means to blindly trust God. Why is there a change from fear to trust? Because the prophet received the right perspective. It was revealed to him. After the protest in chapter 1, God says in chapter 2, verse 2, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So what is this right perspective? This blind faith. This clear-sightedness. This is the key to the understanding of this book. This is the heart of the matter. This is the key that we can move away from fear and anxiety to praise. This is how we can say, in spite of everything, God is the strength of my life. This is how our vision, our perspective on the world and our suffering changes. See, he says, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. In chapter 1 verse 11, it says that their own strength is their God. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The enemies of God trust themselves. But people with the right perspective trust God. When you are right with God, you totally surrender to him and his purposes. You just keep on going and trusting him. And the revelation is very clear in this passage. The first thing is that the enemy will be judged, ridiculed, and scorned. In chapter 2, we find in those verses that you see on the screen, five woe statements reminding the people that God is in total control. The thieves, the deceivers, those who enrich themselves, those who have blood on their hands, those who are angry and violent, the immoral, the worshippers of dead gods will all be judged by God. The wheel will turn. They will be put to shame. 
God says to the despairing prophet, do not despair when you see the injustice and violence around you. Because that's not the only reality. The second thing we find in chapter 3 is God will save his people. God appears in a powerful way. In chapter 3, you can read it. The emphasis is on the glory of God. He destroys his enemies like a mighty warrior. In chapter 3, verse 13, it says, You came out to deliver your people. Like when he came from Sinai, from the mountain of God, to rescue his people at the Red Sea and in the wilderness. So God will do again. He is out to restore justice. Does everything change instantly? No, it doesn't. Why not? Is there something we need to understand here? Yes, this is what the book is about. The prophet stands in chapter 2 verse 1 on a high place to see what God would answer. And then God says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. The time will come. It's not now. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. His circumstances will not change immediately. We live in this situation that God promises certain things, but that it doesn't happen immediately. And even though God is going to punish the evildoers and the nations, he says in chapter 3, verse 2, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. God didn't change it immediately. You see, God doesn't change our circumstances, but clears our vision in the first place. This is what the prophet, prophets do in, in the Old Testament. They say to those who oppress, those who are doing wrong and getting away with it, this is not the last reality. God is in control and will judge you. And they say, say to those who suffer injustice, this is not the final reality. God is with you. Do not let the voices of pessimism shout so loud that you don't hear the voice of God anymore. Go with me for a moment to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus asked God to take away the cup. Could God do it? Of course he could. But he didn't. And Jesus then surrendered to the will of God for his life. A wicked crowd came. 
arrested him and nailed him to the cross. And on the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Could God save him from the cross? Of course he could. But he didn't. Jesus had to go through it. He had to surrender to the will of God. In Jesus we see how God comes into our misery and struggle. He stands beside us as one who understands when we go through hell. Did evil overcome good? Did death have the last word? It looked like it, but on Easter Sunday, God announced victory over death and the forces of evil. And Paul says that, that God has all the evil forces captive through Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we now see him sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority. This is the clear vision. This is the vision of faith. So what does it mean? It simply means this. If you build your house of faith on your circumstances, on yourself, it is dangerous. We say seeing is believing. And if we cannot see, we won't believe. We love God and praise Him and serve Him as long as He satisfies our needs, as long as He heals our illnesses, gives a good harvest, gives prosperity, keep away suffering and hardship. As long as everything is okay, we trust Him. This is a dangerous situation because one day God can put us through difficulties and pull away that foundation that is so insecure. And when all these things fall away, what do we build on then? You see, God wants to bring us to faith, to see clearly, to have the right perspective of faith. And sometimes God needs to change our perspective before he can change our circumstances. Faith means loving God and serving him regardless of circumstances. It is to trust God when you have nothing, no health or prosperity. True faith is born out of the depths we see it so often in the Bible, how people are going through massive struggles in the Psalms and come out with a new song of praise on the other side. Look at Job losing everything. And in the midst of that, he, so, I, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand on the earth. And even after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. And Paul, struggling 
with a thorn in his flesh, can say, God's grace is enough for me. John and Elette Calvin was married for nine years before she died. They had three children, and all three children died during inf infancy. When Calvin's wife died, she said the following, O glorious resurrection, O God of Abram and of all our fathers, your people have trusted in you from the beginning and in all ages. None has been put to shame. I also will look for thy salvation. This is the language of faith. Trusting God in spite of everything. The cartographers who have drawn the world maps in the 16th century drew the known areas without any problems. But where the unknown Atlant Atlantic Ocean was, they just wrote with big letters on it, here are dragons, here are evil spirits that take hold of human beings. The unknown fills us with anxiety. We don't know what is waiting. We see the dragons and the evil spirits. What are the things that fill you with anxiety this morning? Your children's future, money, health, maybe the idea that you will not live very long anymore. If you had to draw a map of your life, which part has dragons in it? Someone took these maps to a Scottish minister and asked him, what do you say about this? And he wrote in those areas where they wrote, here are dragons. God is there. God is there. In the unknown, in the anxiety. And that's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. Listen again to the words. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is faith. This is to say Jesus is Lord. It doesn't matter what happens in my life. Yet, I will trust him. Only when you blindly trust God will you be able to see better. Amen.